Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. We are so glad that you've joined us in person, online, and thank you, all of you who served our country through the years, who are serving now, and as we spend time with family and friends, and maybe you have the day off tomorrow, as we do whatever we do, may we be mindful of the fact of those, many, many come before us who've paid the ultimate price for freedom with their own lives. So what a, what a humbling reality that is. So I hope you enjoy celebrating that with those you love. And today we are wrapping up and finishing a series. Nobody's Perfect. It's a series on sin. And I thought I'd do a quick recap just to kind of give you the lay of the land of where we've been and so that you see where we're going today. If you've missed any of the last three weeks, you're going to want to go back and catch up. So it all makes sense. In week one, we talked about how sin is when we ignore God's best, when we leave God's best, when we move away from God's best in our lives. And it when we do that, it hurts. It hurts me, hurts you, hurts us, hurts other people, and even hurts God's purposes in our life. That was week one. Week two, we saw that on the cross, Jesus Christ once and for all took care of the problem of sin. Sin is no longer really the issue now between us and God. He said, well, what is the issue? Oh, you'll have to catch up of week two, and it'll make a lot of sense. If that seems far-fetched to you or like, that doesn't line up, then uh, watch week two, and it'll make sense when you do. And then last week, we talked about confession of sin. When we confess our sins, what we're doing is agreeing with God. That's the word confess. The word confess means to agree with, to agree with God, what he knows about us and what we need to come to grips with in ourselves. And when we do that with our sin, when we agree with God, what he knows about us, what our struggles are. It does something very special with our relationship with him and even our relationship with others. Now, today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what it looks like to win over sin, to have and experience victory in our lives for the cycle of leaving God's best and, and sin. And in order to do that, we're going to need to talk about your sin. So let's do that. Let's talk about your sin. Okay, not mine, but yours. And it's so much easier to talk about, you know, other people's sins. Right, the sin of the world. Oh, yeah, have you seen it? Oh, it's just pitiful. This world, can't you believe? I can't believe. I can't believe it. It's just so heartbreaking. And we talk about it, and we complain, and we gripe, and all this stuff. And we talk about other people's sins. And then there's, and then there's them. You know them, right? Them. Everybody's got a them. You have a them, I have a them, and our thems are different from each other's thems. But you got a them, and you love to talk about their sin. Interesting what we do when it comes to talking about sin. We categorize and compare. Categorize and compare. I do it, you do it. It's human nature. We tend to do it. And like We categorize sin. We put them in a, in a box. We kind of like rank them, list them and rank them. That's what we do. It happens automatically, you know. Isn't it interesting when you're ranking sins and you decide things are worse than others? And that's bad, but it's not as bad as that. And, you know, I ain't perfect, but at least I'm not. I ain't never killed nobody. Let's just say this. I ain't never killed nobody. It's just like we get the big bad one out of the way. We think that's at the top and, and everything else. You know, never mind the fact that Jesus said when we have hate in our heart, that's up there with murder. Okay, never mind. That's meddling. You can get into all that kind of stuff, right? But see, we ignore that when we're 
when we're categorizing and comparing and categorizing and comparing, it's interesting that we almost always are not quite as bad as other people when we categorize and compare sin. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that your sin radar is so much more sensitive to other people's sins than your own? My sin radar goes off, you know, when your sin. I can see your sin a mile away. Yeah, I can smell it coming. I mean, there it is, there it is. I know what their problem is. But why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to see sin in the mirror? Yeah, our sin radars are so much more sensitive to other people's than in our own lives. Now, Jesus warned us about this. He really did. He let us know that we need to focus on our own sin and our own issues more than we do the sin of others. This is what Jesus said. This this is fascinating to me. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, Now, a lot of people miss this. Uh, This was Jesus being funny. This was humor. Uh, Jewish humor, first century humor, was humor by exaggeration. So at this point, probably the whole crowd cracked up, and you're like, you hear that one that Jesus said? You're talking about the speck of sawdust, and then the plank, you know, the plank in your own eye, the, the beam, the log. And we do that, right? We can see, oh, oh, yeah, I know what her problem is. I know what his problem is. Oh, you know, you know, a lot of people missed it, but I see it. I see it. It's so obvious to me. I see it. And we talk about it, but we ignore the blaring issues in our own lives. And so Jesus throws down, you hypocrite. First take out the plank in your own eye. Then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck or deal with the speck or talk about the speck or even worry about the speck in your brother's eye. You know what Jesus was basically telling us here? Is to consider your sin a bigger issue than everybody else's. Yeah, but you don't understand what they've done. No, 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 no. You must consider your issues to be a bigger problem in your life than their issues. Yeah, but see, my issue is because of their issue. Their issue gave birth to my issue, and if it wasn't for their issue, I wouldn't have any. Oh, no, 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 no. You must consider the plank in your own eye is a much bigger deal than the speck in everyone else's. I cannot tell you how much time and energy through the years I have spent in conversations with people all about the speck in somebody else's eye. They come to me, Pastor, can I talk with you? Pastor, can I have some of your time? Pastor, can I? Can I? Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, my heart was just heavy, and then they go on and talk about somebody else. You know, I don't understand why he, and I don't understand why she, and I don't get why they, and what can we do? Pastor, can you go talk to them? Pastor, what can we Great. Almost nobody comes to me saying, Pastor, I need to talk about the plank sticking out of my own daggone eye. (laughs) Nobody comes to me. Why not? Why not? Why not? Jesus said, consider your issues to be a bigger deal. What you and I like to do, we like to skim the surface of our own sin while we do a deep dive into everybody else's. Right? You need to consider, if you're a Republican, that you got bigger issues than the Democrats do. And if you're a Democrat, that you got bigger issues than the Republicans do. Are we still friends or should I just let you go now? (laughs) Yeah. That's what he's saying. 
You want a healthy marriage? Hey, you want to deal with the issues? You want to deal with the issues your husband's got? Let me tell you where to start. Deal with your own issues, ma'am. Hey, sir, hey, you, you want to get to the bottom of your wife's issues? Yeah. Why don't you start in the mirror? My gut, and why does Jesus tell us this? Because <laughs> I think Jesus knows that if we really take our own issues, the plank, seriously, we won't even have time or energy to really fool everybody else. That's kind of the idea. So we like to skim the surface on our own sin, and we do a deep dive into the sins of others. Instead, what we need to do is do an honest, deep dive into our own sin. So let's do that. Let's talk about your sin. What sin really trips you up? What is it? What is your struggle? What's the sticking point in your life? Where you know, you know it's not God's best. You know you're leaving God's best. You know in that moment that whatever that thing is, you just can't seem to get past it. It trips you up time and time and time and time again. It, it's, it's a trigger point. And it's just like, man, dead burn it. Here I go again. Here I go again. Here I go again. Maybe it's something real obvious to you. Maybe you see it, or it could be that the fact that other people have brought this to your attention. Or, or maybe it's something secret, at least secret for now. What is that sticking point, that struggle, that thing that drags you away from God's best time and time and time again? Maybe it's a habit. You owe it to yourself to identify whatever it is, but maybe it's a habit or an addiction. No, no, it's not an addiction. It's not an addiction. It's just a bad habit. Oh, okay, well, let, I'll go with you. Maybe you know. You know that's unhealthy. You know it's not God's best for you. You know it's destructive to you. It could be destructive to others. But you got a handle on it, right? You're, you're under control. Or maybe it's an attitude. It's an attitude, and you know you got an attitude issue. You know deep down you shouldn't be thinking that, you shouldn't be feeling that, you shouldn't be responding to them, in, at least in your heart and your mind the way you are. You know you got anger issues. You know you have pride issues. You know you have superiority issues, and you look down your nose on other people. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe you have a good reason for why you explain it, Maybe you explain it away, but if you're honest, that's, that just trips you up time and time and time again. It could be that you're just a very impatient person. I don't know. What's your sticking point? Is it worry? Worry. You just, you're eat up with it. You're just consumed with worry or, or fear. You're afraid. You're terrified. Maybe it's another unhealthy desire and you know it's not good for you. Or it's a choice and you keep making this choice. You know you shouldn't, you shouldn't, but you do time and time and time again. It just trips you up all the time. Or maybe it's a certain person that when you're around this person, you end up going to a dark place. Or when you're around this person, you end up making unhealthy choices. You don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. And it's not their fault. And you wish you could blame them, but you're responsible. But you know they take you to an unhealthy place place. You owe it to yourself to identify what that sin, that sticking point is. Maybe it's food. 
And you know you're abusing your body. That's tricky, isn't it? Because we need food. We need food, right? You just don't need that food and that much of it over and over and over and over and over again. You know, maybe it's money. Something to do with your job, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know what your sticking point is. I don't know, but I bet you do, and you owe it to yourself to identify where your struggle is. And here's the thing you need to know about your struggle with sin, this specific thing. And, and listen, I got many of them. You got many of them. We don't just have one. Wouldn't it be nice if we just had one? We just had one thing we dealt with. Just one, just one. And if we lick that one, we're good to go. No, it's multiple. But there's usually a big one that you really, really struggle with. Here's the thing you need to know about it. You have a choice. You have a choice when it comes to that thing. Paul made it very clear. The Apostle Paul in the first century, writing to a group of Christians, made it very clear. And what he said to them matters so much for me and you right now because it applies to our lives just as much. This is what Paul said. Paul writes, so you also should consider or decide or make a choice when it comes to yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. To be dead to the power of sin. You make a choice. You, we know what this is like. We have this phrase, and this is what he's getting at. You know, this whole phrase, and you hear people, they get really upset with someone else, and then there's conflict, and they, and they just, they're, they're just so over it. They'll kind of like, you're dead to me. You are dead to me. What a horrible thing to say about someone or to someone, but maybe you've said that. Maybe about an ex-spouse or uh, an ex-friend or, I don't know, you're, you're, you're dead to me. Now, what do we mean by that? What does someone mean when they say that? They just say, hey, as far as I'm concerned... I am cutting off. I am just, I am detaching and disconnecting all, all things from me to you. That's the idea here. But you do it to sin. You don't do it to people, right? You do it to sin. You just, you look at that thing, that struggle, that sticking point, and you go dead. You're dead to me. You disconnect it. You, you just completely sever yourself from it. And instead, you make a decision to open yourself up to God's best and become alive to God through Christ Jesus. He goes on, he says, do not let sin control the way you live. You have a choice. Do not let that sin, that sticking point, that thing that you were thinking about just a few minutes ago, do not let that control the way you live. Do not give in. Do not give in. Do not give in. You have a choice. You're not a helpless victim. Life is not picking on you. God is not picking on you. You are not a victim. You have a choice. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body, any part of your life, become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Man, that's, that's tough. An instrument of evil. Evil, me? I mean, I know I'm not perfect, but I wouldn't call myself evil. Well, see, that's part of the problem. There is evil inside. Yeah. It's amazing how often we get played. That's what you do to an instrument, right? You play it. And how often we get played by Satan, by our enemy, by the devil, however you want to refer to him, the evil side. It's amazing how often we allow ourselves to get played. It's a decision. He said, don't do that. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. You make a choice. 
Use your whole body, your whole life as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You have a choice. You get to make a decision. You are not helpless. You are not a victim. Well, you know, I just can't help it. The devil made me do it. Blah, blah, blah. Nope. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. You have an active role to play when it comes to sin in your life. And if you want to win over sin, we just saw what to do. Let's put it like this. To win over sin, you do two things. You refuse to give in, and you choose God's best instead. You refuse to give in, and you choose God's best instead. I want you to think about that thing, that sticking point. I want you to think about that struggle, whether it's an attitude or an addiction, a habit, uh, again, all, we went through a long list of things just so I could help you identify it, but you know it. You know it. I think you do. Refuse to give in to it. If you're going to win over that, if you're going to experience victory in your life over that, refuse to give in to it and choose God's best. You see, the interesting thing is that avoiding sin, avoiding that sin is about actually pursuing God's best in that area. The, the best defense is a good offense when it comes to this thing of sin. And it involves a no and a yes, a no and a yes, a no and a yes, a no, I refuse to give in, and a yes, I'm going to choose God's best. So whatever it is in your life you're struggling with right now that you know is not God's best, in order for you to win in that area, it involves a no, refuse to give in to it, and a yes, to choose God's best, whether it's a relationship thing, a reaction, an attitude, a decision, a money thing, a job thing, a health thing. A no and a yes. Maybe at this point you're thinking, man, this is hard. This is hard. This is a struggle. I know. I know. I know it is for me too. It's not easy. And maybe you've had this thought. If you haven't, you haven't thought about it long enough because eventually you're going to come to this thought. I have this thought. Why doesn't God just <laughs> remove it? Why doesn't God just remove sin? I mean, oh, come, on, come on, come here, come here. If I were God, I tell you what I would do. You ever, you, ever, you ever had conversations with yourself started like that, or with other people? Right. Let's all be grateful I'm not, or or you, or neither you. Right? Why doesn't God just remove sin? I mean, wouldn't that make it easier? I mean, if God wanted me to do what's best and God wanted me to choose His best, why doesn't God just take away all the other options? So that way, so what? You know, I'm. I don't have to deal with it. He doesn't have to deal with me. All that good stuff. All right, listen very carefully. That's a very honest question. Here's the answer. One day he will. On the day when Jesus returns and makes all things new, we won't have to deal with any of this anymore. But until then, you're in for a fight. That's reality. But you're not helpless, and you're not a victim, and nobody's picking on you. Here's how we know this. Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians in the first century. This is huge. Check this out. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. I, I hate it, and people come to me all the time as a pastor, and they talk about their struggle and, and, as if they're the only one. They're the only one. right? Nobody understands. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody gets it. Like, oh, come on. Really? Seriously? Right. Yes, it's a common thing. It's a common thing. You're, you're not special when it comes to sin. 
And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Boy, that's good news. Time out real quick, okay? A little side note. This passage is so often misinterpreted and misused. Have you ever heard people say, God will never give, I know God will never give me more than I can handle. I know God will never give me more than I can handle. Pastor, I know God will never. Okay, that's not a true statement. Okay, that is not what this verse is saying. People think that's what this verse is saying. That is not what this verse is saying. This verse is about sin. This verse is about temptation to sin. Often in life, God will let you experience more than you can handle so that you'll trust him. Because if I can handle it, I don't need God. If I can handle it, I'm as much God as God is. If you can handle it, you don't need God. You're your own God if you can handle everything. right? That's not what this verse is saying. That's how we learn how to trust. What this verse is saying, God will never let you be tempted to sin beyond your ability to bear up underneath it. Okay? So God's not going to, you think, oh, I just can't handle this. I can't handle it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't survive. No, you can. You can. Look. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Provide a way out so that you can endure it. There's always a no. There's always an out. There's always a no. There is always an out. And the process of a no and a yes no, refusing to give in, and yes to God's best. That process right there, listen carefully, that struggle is what grows you and matures you and strengthens you and changes you. And we all experience it. Do you guys uh, remember Looney Tunes cartoons? Remember those? I don't know if kids these days still watch those. Um, but if they don't, that's the problem with the world. <laughs> Would you agree? I mean, Looney Tunes, my goodness, that's just, it's way ahead of its time. It's just awesome. Remember this scene, and it would happen multiple times, and sometimes it would happen with Bugs Bunny, sometimes it would happen with Elma Fudd, sometimes it would happen with Yosemite Sam, and, and they would be in a kind of a, a quandary kind of situation where they had a decision to make, whether to do the right thing or the wrong thing, the nice thing or the bad thing, and then boop, Immediately, there would be two little images pop up on each shoulder, an angel and a devil, and, and a, an angel version of themselves and a devil version of themselves, one with a halo, with a soft voice, and one with a pitchfork, like, do it, do it, do it, you know, you know, <laughs> what? As a kid, I understood this. I got this. Here's the deal. You know why we understand this? Because we experience this. Now, if you start actually seeing them on your shoulders, just go to your doctor. <laughs> He'll help you with that. But <laughs> you know it's there, right? And it isn't it interesting, whichever one they fed, whichever one they listened to, whichever one they gave into, won. That's exactly what we're talking about here. You have a choice. You get to decide. And God's not going to let the struggle get so great that you can't hold up underneath it. There's always a no. There's always an out. There's always a way for you to say no and refuse to give in, and yes to God's best. With that attitude, with that addiction, with that situation, with that person, with that feeling, with that food, with that money, with that job, with that question, with that person, every time they walk, regardless of whatever your struggle with sin is. I want you to think about it. In order to win, in order to win, there's a no and a yes. You refuse to give in, and you choose God's best.
The struggle is the difficult thing, right? And here's why I bring this up, because a lot of times, and I don't know where we got this thinking, probably from bad theology, bad teaching through the years in churches, but we get this idea that if I'm struggling, something's wrong. If I'm struggling, I must be doing something wrong. That if I do it right, I won't struggle. No, 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 no. Remember, there will be a day when God removes sin. We're not there yet. Until then, there will be a struggle. So winning over sin, understand this, is not about the absence of a struggle. It's about the presence of progress. When you're winning over sin, this is how you know you're winning. When you've said no, like you should have, and yes, like you should have, refusing to give in, and yes to God's best, when you're doing that the way you should, here's how you'll know. Not that the struggle is gone, but that you're making progress. You're making progress. You're making progress. Now, the struggle is real. The struggle almost always be there. I hear people say it from time to time, and it sounds real spiritual. They'll say, you know what? Jesus took that away from me, and I don't even care about it anymore. I don't, I don't want to do that no more. I don't even have a desire for that anymore. That is just gone. And I look at those people, and I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. I don't really believe them. And here's why. Because I know myself, and I know enough of you to know that's a very rare thing. I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen. I'm just saying it's very, very rare. There almost, will almost always be a struggle. But it doesn't mean you're not winning. The idea here is to see progress. You're taking steps. You refuse, and then you choose. You refuse to give in, and you choose. You do it over and over again. You're going to struggle. But if you're going to struggle, choose to struggle in a way that helps you win over sin. You're going to struggle either way. Either you're going to you know, give in and do what you know you shouldn't do again, and you'll struggle with the consequences of that, feelings of defeat, feelings of shame and guilt, and all the other consequences coming from whatever it is you've given into. You'll either struggle on that way, or you will struggle saying no, but yes to God's best. It's a fight. It's a fight. It's a struggle. But if you're going to struggle, at least struggle to win. Why not struggle to win? Why not struggle for victory if you're going to struggle? So winning over sin is not about removing the struggle at this point. It's about the presence of progress. Let me wrap it up by just kind of summarizing it like this. God wants what's best for you. But you still have to choose it. He's not going to force it on you. God wants what's best for you more than you can imagine. But you still have to choose it. It's not going to be automatic. But the good news is, the more often you choose it, the better you get at choosing it. It's very much like working a muscle, right? The more you work that muscle, the stronger that muscle gets. If you don't use that muscle, it atrophies and gets weaker and weaker and weaker. The more you refuse to give in and choose God's best, the better you get at it. Not that it's ever going to be easy, but you'll get stronger. And God will empower you and strengthen you to do this, but you still have to do the work. You still got to show up and say, no, not doing that. Yes, this is how I need to respond. No, no, I'm not going down that road again. Yes, this is how I need to respond. And on the days when you do that well, you celebrate those days. Those are good days. When you get to the end of the day and you're like, 
I said no. I said no. I didn't. I didn't go down the slippery slope, right? Down the wormhole. I didn't. It feels good. It feels good. I experienced a win today in that area of my life. So celebrate those days because there's going to be days when it's like all day long. Like, what is wrong with me? That's when you go back to what we talked about last week. You go back to confession and you come to your Heavenly Father who's not ticked and angry and mad. No, you come to your Heavenly Father and say, I I confess this to you. I agree. I agree with you. It's still a problem. I struggled today and I gave in to the struggle. I didn't win today. Could you strengthen me? Help me win. Empower me with your grace. Be merciful for me for being a bonehead. And help me get it right next time. Are you with me? This is just that way. On the days when it works well, you rejoice. Woo-hoo. On the days you struggle, you have to fight. But you still have to do the work. Let me leave you with one of my favorite passages in all of the scriptures. Probably top five, maybe top three. It talks about this. It talks about the partnership between God and you and me. Paul writes to the Philippians that God is working in you. That's good news. God is working in you. He's doing something in you. What's he doing? He's giving you the desire and the power. Desire and the power. Desire and the power. The desire is the want to. The power is the can do. Okay? God will help you with the want to, want to do the right thing, and the ability, the can do. But you have to to do it. I have to to do it. God will give me the power and the desire, but I have to do what pleases him. You have to do what pleases him. See the partnership there? God's doing his part, and you have to do your part. God will always do his part. The question is whether or not we will do our part. The partnership of God empowering us with the desire and the strength and the power, but we have to show up and do the work and make the choice and refuse to give in and use that power to say yes to God's best. So whether it's a business decision that trips you up time and time again and you say, next time I'm going to do this more ethically. Whether it's a conversation and you know as soon as they open their mouth, you're going to start dealing with anger and you just want to choke them and you just let them have it. And next time you go, nope. Or whether it's porn or another addiction, I don't know what it is for you. Learn, learn, learn. And the better you learn this, the better off you're going to be. Refuse to give in and choose God's best. God is working in you, giving you the desire to do that and the power to do that. But you've got to decide to choose to do that. That's how you win over sin. And you make it a matter of prayer. God, help me today. Help me today. In fact, Jesus said to pray that way. In the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus taught us how to pray, that line in the Lord's Prayer that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what this is about. What we've been talking about, that's what this is about, this partnership. Where you call out to God and you say, okay, give me the power, give me the strength, give me the desire so that I can make a choice 
to respond as I should. I don't know what your struggle is, but you do. By this point, you do. I want you to win. God wants you to win. It's a good thing to win over sin. And we win over sin every time we refuse to give in and every time we choose God's best. Let's pray for each other. Our Father, help us, please. Help us, please. You have promised to give us the desire to win over sin and the power to win over sin. Now may we choose to do it. To choose your best. What pleases you. Now, I, 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 know, I don't know what everybody's struggling with. I know what I struggle with. And that's all I can handle. It is the plank in my eye. Father, may we be overly concerned with our own issues and much less concerned with everybody else's. And may we choose to win time and time again and experience victory over sin by saying no and then a yes to your best for us. Whatever that sticking point is in our lives right now, may, us, may, may we see it through that lens and as Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into that temptation. May we not give in. But may we know you are sitting ready to deliver us from evil. May we choose it and win in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I hope this series has been as helpful to you as it has been to me. Please, please know this and remember this. Okay, I'm journeying with Jesus too. I'm a follower of Jesus before I'm a pastor of this church. And so I share this with you because this is what I'm learning and this is my journey as well. And, and I got a hunch that you can relate to it because I know how applicable it is in my own life. So together we take our next steps. All right, before I let you go, let me tell you about next week because next week I'm doing something for the first time, doing something for the first time and I've been doing this for over 26 years and I've never done a series like this, on this topic, this way. It's a short series. It's a three-week series, but maybe one of the most important and impactful series we may do all year and maybe until we do another series like this. Let me just show you what it is, and I'll explain it. We're doing a series called Raising Adults because kids grow up, don't they? Right? And when they grow up, we hope they're not just big kids. We hope that they actually... <laughs> You know, they're going to become adults, so what kind of adults? Now, here's the deal. Listen very carefully. This is not just a series for parents. This is a series for every single person that is connected to, has influence in, and is impacting the lives of the next generation. So, obviously, if you're a parent, or if you're a grandparent, or an aunt, or an uncle, or if you're a school teacher elementary, middle school, high school, or college professor, if you're a coach, um, if, if you're a small group leader in one of our ministries, if you're an employer and you've employed the millennials, I, regardless, if your life touches the life of someone in the next generation or will, 
This is for you. See, the basis of this is um, after 25 plus years of parenting um, experience and over 26 years of walking with other parents, we've decided that it would be a good time to kind of share what, what we've learned. And not that I don't have all the answers. I can just share with you what I've learned and most of it the hard way. Um, my experience, uh, we just married off our last child last weekend. So my nest is officially empty. I know I look way too young. I'm shocked too. I saw this this morning. I'm like, no, shut up. I'm like, I know. So, you know, we're at a, kind of a new stage and we thought now I feel like I didn't feel like I could really teach much of this stuff. It's just my personal feeling, you know, while I was in the middle of a lot of it, you know, I would just rather survive it first and then talk about it. And so, uh, we're going to take these principles and we're going to talk about them. It's, it's a different kind of series in that it's like a series that's three weeks long. It's like a sermon that's three weeks long, really. It's a three-week-long sermon that we're going to chop up into three different parts. Lucky for you. We're not going to do it all once. Um, we're going to talk about the principles to help us impact the next generation. This is a great series to invite your friends to, okay? you got some friends with some hellion kids? Get them here. Go drop the hellions off in the student ministry. No, <laughs> get babysitters, right? Or if you're struggling or if you're just like, man, kids these days, if that's your attitude, this is going to be a fantastic series for all of us. So join us next week for Raising Kids. We'll also be doing something else we've never done before as a church, which is super exciting. We'll tell you more about that next week. Thanks a lot. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Bye.